This is an ABC podcast. There is something almost magical about Australian wildlife, don't you think? You learn something nearly every day. A couple of weeks ago, it was through David Attenborough on ABC television saying that platypuses in Tasmania, where they have nearly no predators, can be three times larger than on the mainland. Furthermore, you can see them often because they scamper over the landscape, something almost unthinkable on the mainland. Then there are the betongs. This week I learned how fond these mammals are of truffles, those precious subterranean fungi may be dependent on betongs for distribution. Well, I'm sure Millie Sutherland-Sains knows all this. She's a specialist out in the bush at night, especially tracking our special creatures. Here she is at the Australian National University in Canberra. I would like to start by taking you back 200 years ago. Before there were houses, before there were roads, before the Europeans came to our shores. As the sun was setting on a warm night, a hidden world, a nocturnal world, came to life. Mammals, as large as a dog and as small as a mouse, and every size in between, began their night by looking for food. Most of us don't know these mammals' names. Have you heard of the Antichinus, the Booty, the Fascagale, the Dunnart? I've got a few nodding heads and I'm very impressed. <laughs> and this is because of two reasons. One, they live in a secret nocturnal world. And two, they have been eaten to the brink of extinction. Along came the Europeans and bringing with them animals to eat and hunt. The introduced species, rapid breeding and adaptability caused havoc across the Australian landscape. The biggest offenders were cats and foxes, and particularly in the ACT, it was the big bad fox. These animals are extremely smart and efficient hunters, unlike any predators Australia already had. This, compounded with the clearing of landscape and the changing of waterways, has seen the extinction of many of these hidden animals. And it shocks many in Australia to learn that we have the highest mammal extinction rate in the whole world. Just stew on that for a moment. The highest mammal extinction rate in the world. Of the ones that do remain, many are in danger of going the same way. And one of these species is the eastern betong. Now just picture a mini kangaroo with small but powerful legs and a pouch, weighing up to just two kilograms. Betongs were once common across the eastern of Australia, from southern Queensland all the way down the east coast to Tasmania. Unfortunately, since the Europeans came, they were competing with the Europeans' veggie gardens. And so unfortunately, digging up all their delicious potatoes and radishes and carrots, we did persecute them for doing this. Along with the introduction of cats and foxes and land clearing, the Eastern Betong became extinct on the mainland of Australia 100 years ago. The only place they survived was in Tasmania when they have very low numbers of the big bad fox. Important ecosystem engineers, they dig up soil looking for native truffles. And they can turn over about eight kilograms of soil in one night. That's four times their own body weight. It's pretty impressive. 
The loss of species like the eastern betong meant a loss in the processes that improve soil health. How bad has the soil come without the eastern betong? It's not just them, but there's a whole bunch of digging animals across Australia that have been lost or are on the brink of extinction. There's not one species of betong, there is actually five. However, there were seven, so two have already become extinct. There are seven surviving species of bandicoots which do the similar process. These are mostly protected inside predator-proof fences in New South Wales and Queensland. The bilbies. They've been reintroduced and protected in South Australia and New South Wales, again in these predator-proof sanctuaries. We have been able to bring back and reintroduce these vital species for ecosystem health due to these predator-proof fences. These predator-free sanctuaries across Australia do incredible work, but they're quite remote and most people haven't heard of them. It is for this reason we thought it is important to protect areas within a city. That's where we come in. <laughs> the site in question is called Mulligan's Flat Woodland Sanctuary and it has been surrounded by a two metre tall fence for now 10 years, 10 year anniversary. Due to the absence of the big bad fox, we have reintroduced species that haven't been seen in this region or what's known in the science world as locally extinct for between 50 and 100 years. One of these species is the Eastern Betong. We can now use the word Balbo again. And this is the Ngunnawal people's name for the Eastern Betong. And due to the reintroduction in 2012, we can call them this once again. Like the animal, the use of the word has been lost for the past 100 years. The reason we could bring back the betong was because of our predator-proof fence. Sanctuaries such as Mulligan's Flat are so important because they give us a little window into the past, into what was. Being a predator-proof sanctuary on the edge of the city means we have a duty to engage the public. We can show people how the land once was and how we can help repair it after years of neglect. We are, once again, inspired by the innovation of our little cousin, New Zealand. In the city of Wellington, there lies 280 hectares of a predator-free sanctuary called Zealandia. Zealandia is 15 years ahead of us, of course, and has seen long-term benefits of a predator-free sanctuary. Kids in Wellington get to wake up to the calls of birds calling and dancing outside of their windows while their parents never got to experience this growing up. This success has inspired the Wellington community to actively get involved by trapping the introduced predators in their own backyards. We have started to see the same shift in our community at Mulligan's Flat. People now know what betongs are from going out onto our spotlighting tours inside the sanctuary. We are literally shining a light onto these hidden animals. We have seen hundreds of community members getting involved in our conservation and research programs to understand more about these secret species. We are allowing people to see the animals that have become hidden once again. We are not just bringing nature to the people, but bringing the people back to nature. Now we just need to get rid of those darn foxes. <laughs> Do 
Yes, Millie Sutherland-Sains, who's an ecologist and outreach manager at the Woodlands and Wetlands Trust. And getting rid of those foxes, why not emulate New Zealand and set up a sanctuary in all of our big cities? What are the chances? I'm Robin Williams. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.